everybody, and welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 24. My guest today is my buddy Steve Simone. Steve has been on Comedy Central uh, with Gabriel, Gabriel Iglesias' Stand-Up Revolution. He's got a podcast called Good Times with Steve Simone. He's tours with Dice Clay and uh, Polly Shore and a whole laundry list of uh, famous people. And uh, he's one of the best storytellers in the business, and he's here with us right now. How you doing, Steve? Awesome, buddy. How are you, Tim? I'm good. I have no complaints. How's the road been treating you? Uh, I think we were both just in Denver. I was over at the Comedy Works, and you, uh, I think you were over at the Improv, so road's great. I'm in town working on uh, This Is Not Happening, the Comedy Central Storyteller Show. Yeah. So life's good, buddy. I feel blessed. So we were in Denver at the same time? I don't know if it was the same time. Okay. Because I was like, well, shit. But I was just there recently. Yeah, I had a car. I should have done something. I had a car. Um, so uh, we we uh, my, uh, due to my fault, uh, we're a little late on this. So I'm just gonna jump right into it. Uh, you grew you grew up in Philadelphia, right? That's correct. The suburbs, the yes, suburban Philadelphia. Suburbs of Philadelphia, an Italian family with three boys. Yep. So yep. Was, and then my dad's half Irish too, so it's a hundred percent crazy. Italian, <laughs> Irish. Suburban Philadelphia. So well, much fun, craziness, laughter, fight, you name it. Well, that, make, that makes it even better because that leads into what I was going to say, which was, uh, <clears throat> so was Rocky like a god in your home? A hundred percent so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like even in that whole city. So yeah. that's just Sloan is revered. Well, Rocky, I used to do a joke when I first moved to LA, and it's, a lot of people have touched on it since, but it was like essentially that Rocky was a... Uh, a documentary in Philadelphia. Like, you would hear people say they knew the real Rocky that the story was based on. I guess what they meant was, like, Chuck Webner or something like that, but yeah, they love Rocky in that city. I mean, there was a statue. Like, before cell phones, there used to be a statue of Rocky in front of the Philadelphia Spectrum, which they later moved to the um, Museum of Art. And everybody would say, like, if you're going to meet your friends down at a hockey game or a concert, or uh, a baseball game, you'd go, okay, let's meet in front of Rocky. <laughs> so then every, there'd be a thousand people in front of Rocky. Yeah. Were there ever fights in front of Rocky? Were there fights in front of Rocky? Were there fights in front of Rocky? Yeah, were people like, I'm gonna, uh, let's fight at Rocky. I'll, I will say, like, down in the pit, like, I'll meet you at 3 o'clock in the pit, I'll meet you at 7 in front of Rocky. I'll say this, Philadelphia, there are fights all the time. Yeah. That's that's true. That's why I became funny because I don't know how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather fight somebody who's drinking. Try to make them laugh. Do you have any uh do you have any good Andrew Dice Clay stories? How how much did you did you uh tour around with him? He was my best friend. There was definitely one summer where we were legit best friends. Really? We're like yeah. I was managing the comedy store. That's one of the coolest so, things on the planet. What's that? <laughs> one summer you were just best friends with fucking Dice Clay. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. The absolute... Well, here's the crazy thing. I had just mentioned the Philadelphia Spectrum. And when I was 15 years old, I bought a ticket to go see Dice Clay at the Philadelphia Spectrum. He sold out over 20,000 seats in about five minutes. Wow. It was... You know, before the internet, you had to either go to the venue where there was something called, I think it was called Ticketmaster. Yeah. And you would go, like, to where they rented videotapes, and they had a Ticketmaster outlet. 
I was there. Tickets went on sale at, went on sale at 10 a.m. on Saturday. I was first in line at that location, and the best seats I could get were legitimately touching the rafters of the Philadelphia Spectrum. We were all the way in the back, all the way at the top. So, Dude, and I know he's a huge rock. I know he's a huge Rocky fan. So for him to do the Spectrum, huge. for him to do the so Spectrum, yeah. Get out of the building now! Get out now! So I like, 
lay down in the deposit, run out the back door, set the alarm, drive straight to Dyson's house. <laughs> and he told me a story in his backyard that I will never be able to do justice, but it was about him and Sam Finison and a couple other comics messing around with a Ouija board, and they heard something very similar to what I had heard. Really? Yeah. Wow. And they hurt. So they're messing around the Ouija board. Him, Sam Kinnison, and who else? I don't know who the other two guys were. Okay, and and they hear this guttural sound, and he he tells you from the other side of a locked door. Like if you go above the main room, yeah, a closet where they used to keep old chairs and stuff. I mean, even seventeen years ago, there was still stuff up there from zeros. But it, it was a uh, it was an old closet with a chain and a padlock on it. Mm-hmm. And I guess Kinnison was messing around and he was going to reveal yourself. And I heard a growl from the other side of the door, and then it started to bang from the other side. That's the story I was told. Huh. Well, didn't Next time we're at the comedy store together? Let's ask Andrew to tell us the story. People, people been hanging out again. People used to get whacked in the in the like in the comedy store, right? When it was Cicero's. I don't, like, dude, the comedy store, like, there's just a gazillion rumors. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not. But um, I do remember reading a book called Night at Zero's, uh-huh. which was the nightclub before it was the comedy store. And I believe that was affiliated with Bugsy Siegel at one point. Okay. Wow. So that's definitely a legendary venue. That's for sure. Yeah. No, you know what, man? I have never spoken to uh, to Dice. And uh, I, I, he's the coolest. I've never won. There's been a couple times where I felt like I could, but like... You know, I know people bug the hell out of him all the time, and uh, I don't know. I just never wanted to be that guy. And and, and there's a part of me too that he he's just uh, he's iconic to me. So it's crazy to me that you were like his best friend for a fucking. Summer. Crazy to you? It's crazy for me. Are you guys still and good friends? Was, yeah, we're still good buddies. But the crazy thing to me is I used to babysit his kids. Like I know his sons when they were like seven and ten years old. Yeah. And now they're fully grown men in one of the top rock bands in the country. Yeah. And it just blows my mind. I knew these kids when they were little, and now they're rock stars. It's crazy. You know what else I like about Dice from afar is, uh, like, I don't even know him, but I know how much he loves his kids. Like, I mean, it just comes through in everything he does, how much he loves those kids. And uh, I just think he's a cool dude, and I always want to talk to him, and and I never do. So He, he is. And I will say this. He's very childlike. Like he, like we're just very like he loves to have laughs and hang out and just you know. That summer was like stand by me. I felt like we were twelve years old again. It was a lot of fun. Dude. Like, I remember the first time I opened up for him in Vegas, and you know what we did after the show? What? Like he had just sold out a theater. We're up in some VIP suite. Like they've given him like this gorgeous Sinatra type penthouse. And he was like, what do you feel like doing? And there was like all these like big shots there and stuff. So he ordered a tray of ice cream sundaes. <laughs> he's like, this is the best. <laughs> and we just had ice cream. And I'm like, this is the best. <laughs> it was the absolute greatest. Well, man, you've had some fucking, uh, you've had some cool friendships. You were really tight with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Every, every kid's. The absolute uh... greatest dude I've ever known. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. I... Talk about a family guy. Yeah. Wow. I got to have a few and conversations a with him. Dude, wasn't he the great... A lot of people didn't realize how, how he could shoot. He could really grapple. Oh, he, man. He was legit. Yeah. 
and uh, and 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 a really sweet person. Like I had a conversation with him one night, and I didn't even know him that well yet, but he was pretty honest about how he felt, and you could tell he was, you know, he was really bothered by something like a like with a woman or something, and uh, he was just really real. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, cool dude. Um, give us a, give us a couple of uh, cool Rowdy Roddy Piper stories. Well, this okay. So the first time I'm going to perform at the Hot Rod, it's January of 2009. The first week of January, I remember it vividly because that Christmas I had spent with the troops. Okay. And it was like the the best Christmas I've ever had as an adult. Yeah. Christmas Day, we spent it on the USS Minutes, and we did like three or four shows. It was incredible, okay? Yeah. And I remember my closer at the time, the bit I closed on was about watching pro wrestling with my brothers, all right? So then we're traveling, we're on our way home, and I don't have a Wi-Fi connection until we get to the airport in Dubai. And then Eric Abrams, who at the time was the talent coordinator of the Hollywood Improv, had sent me an email and was like, would you have any interest in performing with Rowdy Roddy Piper? Because you were the first person I thought of, because I know you're a big wrestling fan. And now, the, the stand-up comedy crossover between wrestling and comedy is everywhere. Yeah. But like, eight, eight nine years ago, I think I was the only nerd talking about watch, growing up watching wrestling. Now everybody's got a wrestling fan. Yeah. So I was just lucky timing, okay? So I'm honored. I was like, how can I say this? One of what my buddy that owns a gym back in Philly, he's one of the toughest guys I know. He's like, be careful with those old wrestlers. He goes, they can really, they, they, they can twist you. I'm like, what? He was like, just be careful. He goes, these old guys, he goes, it's not a joke. Don't, don't be, he's like, you're not a smart ass, but don't say anything on a line, whatever. And then my brain, I'm like, Roddy Roddy Piper, a bad guy in my brain. And my, and I'm still <laughs> thinking like an 11 year old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the joke I have was, every time I hang out with him, he seems nice, but my inner inner 11-year-old is like, I don't think you should trust him. Remember when he did the Jimmy Superfly smoking with those coconuts? So the first night, him, it was like meeting an X-Men, it was like meeting a superhero. Like, the only way I can describe it is like, somebody from a comic book is real. They're standing in front of me. Uh-huh. And I, I, was, I geeked out. I marked out. I was like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. But then I'm like, don't, don't do anything that's offensive, or he might take, you know, don't, don't, don't be disrespectful in any way. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, this is the guy that smashed coconuts on Superfly Seven Ten, kicked Cindy Lauper, you know, <laughs> attacked Hulk Hogan. I'm like, you know. So I do my joke about watching wrestling. Roddy hosted the show that night. And when I was finished, he came up on stage, and I was like, what do I do? And he had the biggest smile and, like, almost, like, tears in his eyes. And he goes, I had no idea that families at home were sitting there watching what we did, and that brought that much joy. And I was like, what? And then he came in and hugged me and kicked me on the top of my head. <laughs> like, I was four years old. <laughs> he was like, look at this little guy. And, uh... I never used to, I used to, uh, Roddy Piper's the guy that got me to start hugging people. Because wherever we were, he'd be like, come here, Chan. Give me a hug. Yeah. He was the sweetest, kindest dude ever. Yeah. And he had the greatest stories of all time. Yeah. The absolute greatest stories. Yeah, it sucks, man, that, that he, because uh, he was only 60 and he was in great shape and everything, but 
I don't know. Those, Tough life. Yeah. That's, those guys, they, uh... And those guys trained weird, hard. man. Like, they, like, Lucas Hurl was telling me that he would work out with him, and he would go, like, two hours, he would work out for two or three hours and not drink water. It was, like, something they did. Yeah. And then afterwards, he'd be like, now you need something to shock your system, and they'd, like, eat, like, cookies and shit. <laughs> Something like yeah. that, some crazy training regiment thing. I was like, man, that's, you know, that is hardcore. Those guys were uh, hardcore. He would work out against the stopwatch. He'd be like, anybody can lift heavier weights, but he's like, what can you do a certain amount of time? Like he was doing sort of like CrossFit stuff before that got really popular. He would train like a fighter. Yeah. Well, I was a. I had to be kind of a closet wrestling fan because my brother and my dad and everybody just thought it was fake and stupid and this and that. But I just, uh, I liked it when I was a kid, and so I was a, always a Rowdy Roddy Piper fan, and and that whole that whole generation, uh, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and all that. It was, uh, yeah, it was cool, man. We're about the same age, and I wouldn't trade our childhood for anything. Yeah. You know, just tweet it out. You would just be like, "Wait, I think what?" And you would hear it on the radio, and you're like, "Can I hear that right?" It's interesting you would touch on that because uh, I've always thought that about stand up, with you know, with social media and all that, it's sort of taken the mystery away from it. You know, like one of the coolest things for me when I was a kid, when I was watch stand ups, is I would kind of think to myself. Like, what's that guy really about, or where's he from, and what's his story kind of a thing, you know? And I would have that in the back of my mind, especially if I liked him, and now it's like with social media, you have to be like, I don't know, every thought you have, at least some people. Um, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of oversharing, like you have to do some of it, and it's difficult for me to be honest with you, Jimmy, but where do you draw the line, like, what, what do I get to keep that's just mine? Yeah. Does that make any sense? Sure. And, and sometimes I'll have an opinion that I'm all fired up about, you know, like I had some opinions about, you know, some of the stuff, the crap that happened this weekend, and I, I started to write about it, and then I was like, you know what, you're a comedian, and who cares what you think? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like some yeah. stuff you should just be like, eh, I'm just not going to engage well, in, in this. Yeah, that's how I, where I'm just like, everybody, I've never seen people just look for sound bites, pieces of information, uh, sources of information that just reaffirm what they've already made up their mind about. Yeah. And have no desire to see the humanity of another point of view. Oh, and I... And, and I uh... And I see the news when they do that stuff. They they'll take it and they'll 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 just re- keep repeating the soundbite that like you know fires people up. And I'm like, well, wasn't there like thirty more minutes to that interview? Can we see what else Absolutely. was said? You know, uh, and and. and it's, it's, I just want to. I love everybody. I just want to be a bridge where people can be like, oh, connect people, remind people what we have in common. Let's celebrate. Yeah. What we can. You know, appreciate what we have instead of cursing what we don't have. And, and, and uh, crazy and, time to be alive, my friend. And it feels like it feels like most people kind of feel that way, and we 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 tend to focus so much on the negative in this country and the people who are doing things that we're that we're disgusted by. And it's like, 
I get it that it's offensive and disgusting and all that, but sometimes I'm like, just fucking ignore them, and they won't. Ha- they'll they'll lose a lot of their power, you know. But but people can't do that. They're so fired up about hating hate. I'm like, well, you're just you're never gonna convince some idiot not to be an idiot. You just can't do it. And that's their punishment. Yes. It doesn't matter what I think of them. If they're that stupid to go through life like that, like I don't, I don't, I'm not angry at them. Yeah. They have my pity. Yeah. I, As Mr. T used to say, I pity the fool. Yeah. I pity them. I, like I, that's how you want to go through life? You have one shot? Yeah. Like, the only thing I want to do is love people and be the hug and be like, all right, man, that's cool. Oh, you think I'm an idiot? Okay, cool. You're entitled to that opinion. Somebody else out there will take the hug. Yeah. I'm a heckler this weekend. And I was this British guy that thought, like, that's what comedy clubs were. They were just places where you try to heckle comedians. Mm-hmm. And I kept on shutting them down in a kind way. Mm-hmm. But then he'd have another drink and say something else. And I looked at him. I was like, hey, man, in all seriousness, I just had some joy in my heart that I'm trying to put into your, jo- into your heart. That's it. I'm trying to take it from here. Take this joy and put it in there. And then the guy almost got tears in his eyes and he just went, all right, I'll take the joy like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it is depressing. <laughs> yeah, I read a quote the other day that made a lot of sense to me. It said, an education is the ability to listen to almost anything and not get offended. You know? You just kind of so you just kind of have to shake your head and people and be like, oh, you poor bastard. Rather than... Rather than getting mad about him and sharing the video and getting on your moral high ground and being like, "Oh, look at how much better I am than this person," it's like, "Yeah, well, you also yes. just you also just You're shared so their right. shit with everyone, you know?" So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. You yes. You're you just hit that nail on the head. Hey, look, buddy, I love you. I had a uh, dinner that started 20 minutes ago that I was supposed to go in and enjoy. <laughs> uh, I would love to continue this conversation. I'd love to come back on your podcast. I'd love to get you on good times. I have nothing but love and respect for you, and I want to hang out more. Is it cool if we continue this conversation at some other time? Absolutely. I've got a ton of more questions for you, and I was going to make this a, a shorter podcast anyway. So, uh, yeah, man, I really appreciate you taking the time, and we'll do it again soon because I do have a lot more to talk to you about. So is there anything awesome. you want to plug real quick or no? Uh, I got nothing right now. All right. <laughs> Just, uh, tell them to check out my podcast, Good Times. I okay. appreciate that. Okay, cool, buddy. I will. All right, man. Thanks for talking. I'll have a good dinner, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Love you, buddy. Take care. Dude, take care, Steve. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. <clears throat> that was Steve Simone. Um, gosh, I always get confused on how to spell his last name. I believe it's S-I-M-E-O-N-E. But look up his podcast, Good Times with Steve Simone. And uh, Steve is one of those people that if you don't like him... You're you're probably an asshole. I mean, he's just always got a positive attitude, and he's a great storyteller and one of the best I've ever seen. Um, just really engaging and clean and fun, and and uh, you know, crowds just love him. So check him out. Check out his podcast. It's a lot of fun. I think he's got a pretty good following. Um, so be one of those guys. Follow him on that. And uh, you know, there was so much about I wanted to talk to him about. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit, but it's just so annoying. I mean, what the fuck is going on? It's 2017. All this crap is going on. Nobody's listening to anybody. Um, 
you know, it's just such a shitstorm. You know, I don't know. I, I don't want to. I wish I had somebody to talk with about this because uh, otherwise, it's just me rambling like a crazy person. But it, it seems to me like the best way to combat racism is first of all, for the most part, ignore ignorance. Just ignore ignorance. You know, why do we give stupid people so much, so much credence? You know, we don't listen to them when it concerns anything else. But if they get racist about something, we, we want to listen to them. You know, I mean, that sounds simplistic, and I'm not trying to bury my head, head in the sand about it or anything. But at the same time, stop giving power to these idiots. You know, stop sharing all their shit. And 90 million people have seen, you know, this small amount of people hate and be stupid and... And, and I guess maybe it is the good that they're that they're coming out into the light, you know. And, uh, and there's just so much stuff that people just so much ignorance being passed around. And I'm no genius, but there's just a lot of stuff that uh, it just makes me crazy. I can't get on Facebook anymore. Um, <laughs> I just can't do it. Uh, I've got to get out of here. I've got a spot at the Comedy Magic Club. I'm going to do a uh, uh, about a 20-minute spot there tonight. So I'm going to cut this podcast short. But uh, the best way to combat racism, I think, is to just be nice to each other as best we can. Just be nice to everyone, respectful. Um, you know, if someone's a dick, you don't have to like them. You don't have to like them. You don't have to talk to them. You know, if they're stupid no matter what they're stupid about just just feel sorry for them as best you can you know and love each other you know it's simple smile at everybody say hello i do it all the time in california people look at me like i'm fucking crazy i get looked at all the time in california like i am insane because i say hi to people it's crazy so but i'm not gonna stop doing it because i love all you fuckers so keep listening to the Tim Gaither podcast, um, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, you guys are great. Thanks for listening. I appreciate all of you and, uh, support little Bo Macon, making it happen.com and keep supporting live comedy and, uh, especially funny people, not just bullshit. And, uh, God bless all of you. Thanks.